does. First Timothy chapter six. <clears throat> Did I leave off verse nine? Okay. Now I'm, I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest. It ain't cause I remembered that. You see, I went back on my Facebook last Wednesday night and, li and listened to where I went on. All right, I've been honest with you. <laughs> Got to open administration here. <laughs> verse 9. Well, look, stop verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Is it possible to have godliness and not have contentment? Not absolutely. If you truly have godliness, you will have contentment because godliness is walking in the will of God. And contentment is one of the things that we must experience. And so he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. That's a very basic, simple truth. But boy, it is it is a truth, isn't it? Absolutely. People scrimp, hold up, greedy and grabby and Get this and get that and get this, and they die, and they don't take a bit of it with them. <laughs> Not you see on the uh, programs about these hoarders. I don't think they do it from a rich standpoint. They do it just cause just holding on to possessions, hold on to this, hold on to that. You can't hold on to your possessions. We need, to, we need to live, use what we've got honestly, honorably, take decent care of our families. But it's not us that our desire is to get filthy rich. Look here, it says, having food and raiment, that's clothing, let us be there with content. Now, not many people are content with that. God's people ought to be. But they that will be rich, now that will, they that will to be rich, they set their head they're going to get rich. And there are people that do that, and they, they accomplish it. But they never finish it. And they've got that in their heart and their mind. Their will is to be rich. They never get rich enough. And you find out that those riches, that is who they are. The rich man, he tore down his barns and built bigger ones. That's always on his heart and his mind. There's nothing wrong with having a, a decent living, a decent house, a decent car, and clothes, and all that. 
But if that's all you're about, how do you serve the Lord like that? You can't. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. That's a trap. Because if you will to be rich, you might cut some corners you shouldn't cut. You might get some inside information you shouldn't be getting. You might be pulling some shenanigans. You know, you could even do that and become president of the United States. You know, you really can. It's been done before. Pull all kinds of shenanigans. How do these people go into office and they just have a mediocre job, mediocre money, and stay in office, whatever office it is, for three or four terms, and they come out multimillionaires? You don't accidentally become a multimillionaire. Like Hillary Clinton invested, what, $10,000 and, and had, got half a million back? I wonder how she did that. You don't accidentally do that. That's in your heart. That's what you're doing. And there's, there's the temptation and the snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now that word is used of the Antichrist, the son of perdition. So that's, it's kind of got the word death in it, destroyer, perdition, destruction. Because the love of money is, now we've got the definite article, the, but the fact is that in the Greek, the definite article is not there. It's put there by the King James translators. So the love of money is not the only root of evil. It is a root of evil, of all evil. Uh, any of these investigations, what do they say? Follow the money. And you'll get to the cause. you get to the source. So, the love of money, not money. Now, money is called filthy lucre. Paul calls it filthy lucre because it is. Well, it literally is filthy lucre. You don't want to put money in your mouth, as little kids will do. Well, look at all the hands that have, have touched that, and no tell them what's on those hands. So, it, I mean, it's filthy from that standpoint. And then it's filthy from the standpoint of what it can and does do to many people. Now, it's necessary. You can't live without it. It won't do to say, I'm never going to work again, never going to have any money again. I'm just going to live off the land. Well, you better be ready for that if you're going to do it. That can be done by a few people, but they got to have money to get into it. Because you've got to have the stuff to do it with. Anyway, that's not where God wants us anyway. Uh, hermits. We're not to be hermits. We're not to go off and live to ourselves. We're, to, we're in this world. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. And we are the salt of the earth. So, the light of the world. The love of, for the love of money is a root of all evil, which while some coveted after well there's that top 10 they have erred from the faith 
You can't seek after money. I mean, go after money in order to get rich and be faithful to the faith. It just won't work. And pierce themselves. The word gourd is there. You want a, an ox gourd or a longhorn steer could gore you real good, couldn't it? Well, they've gored themselves through, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. By doing that to themselves. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Now he tells us, flee fornication, flee all these things. Uh, you can't follow the Lord and follow those things. You got to flee those things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Those are the things to follow hard after. Now he's not telling that to lost people. He's not telling that to the world. He's telling that to somebody who's given evidence of having been born again. The saved person that, that is intent on serving the Lord. And so that would apply to every one of those people that are like that. Saw a thing on Facebook the other day. said, I noticed that all of these people that fight all the time and never seem to win. And he was throwing that at some of us. Paul said, fight! <laughs> the good fight of faith. Amen. Jude said, contend earnestly. And boy, there's fighting involved in there. For the faith wants to deliver to the saints. Lay hold on eternal life. Kind of like in a wrestling match. Lay hold on your, lay hold, embrace it. Romans, Paul says, uh, about your mind. Are you dead? Reckon yourselves to be dead. Now that doesn't mean take a and blow brains out. Reckon yourselves to be dead. That is a, I'm going to say first and foremost, it's a mental activity. To reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. We've got a mental battle here. All of us do. To try to serve the Lord. Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. Well, spiritually we have died to sin in Christ. And been resurrected to walk in newness of life. But you see, we got a problem. We got the old man, and you said this doesn't sound too good, but it's the old woman too. <laughs> the old man and the old woman. It's old, it's the old flesh. We've still got it with us. And we gotta fight the old flesh, the old mind. So we've got to do some stuff here. We've got to reckon ourselves to be dead. We've got to change the thought process to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Now this is a small example. Way back when I was, I hadn't surrendered to preach yet, but I was still smoking. I used to smoke 
three packs of camel straights every day. Every day. And when we'd fight fire all night, I'd smoke another pack or two then. I'd light one off the other. I had a bad. Then I'd try to smoke cigars, and then I'd smoke them plus the three packs a day. And I inhaled every draw of them. I had it bad. I'd have been dead if I hadn't quit. Now, God didn't take them away from me. It was like coming off a dope. But I quit cold turkey. Didn't tell anybody I was quitting. I just threw my last pack away and threw it in the trash can. Did it out number eight fire station. Where <laughs> I did it. Sitting right there by the, by the, the wall ovens. There's a trash can there. And I was sitting there on that table. It's like a picnic table. And I wadded up threw it in that trash can. And I never said anything to anybody. Well, I went through agony coming off of cigarettes. But here's what I had to do. The Lord did not take that craving away from me. I hear people say, well, the Lord took it. Well, if the Lord took it away from me, it wouldn't have been any job, wouldn't have been any problem to quit. That'd been so easy, like falling off a log. But he didn't take it away from me. I had it just as bad as anybody did. But I had to fight a mental battle. I am not a smoker. That was my battle, that mental battle. I got hooked on search mints and, and then I had to quit them. And I'll tell you, I never put another one in my mouth, but people be smoking. I'm sniffing, but I never put another one to my mouth. I'd wake up sweating in the middle of the night, cold sweat, because I was smoking. And I'd, no, I can't be smoking. I don't smoke. I can't be. I went through agony doing it. But I believe to me that's what he's saying. Reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. It's a mental thing. Uh, lay hold on eternal life. Embrace it. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Thou art also called and has professed a good profession. A profession of faith. Confession, profession. Profess, confess. A little bit of meaning, shades of meaning, difference in meaning, but basically the same. He says, now I give thee charge. That's a command. In the sight of God, it's charging Timothy, who, God who quickeneth all things. Anything that's been quickened has been quickened by God. Amen. Anything or anybody. That doesn't necessarily say he's quickened everything. And everybody it says, but who quickeneth all things. Everything that's ever been quickened, he's quickened it. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession. How was his confession? He never crawfished. He never backed up. He confessed who he was, what he'd come for. 
that thou keep this commandment without spot. No, no wavering on this. Unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think that says that Timothy is going to live till, till the second coming. I think what it does say is this. You do this, follow this command without spot, be unrebukable, and you and all those that you preach to and teach, and we'll continue this on until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It does say he's coming back again too, doesn't it? Which in his times, <laughs> why well, don't he do it now? None of your business. In his times, he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. Self-powered one. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love to throw that at Shriners. I don't hate them. I hate their teaching. But they've always got, they've, now they've got a, a potentate. Then they've got several past potentates. Now what right do they have to use that term? Doesn't belong to them. And they ain't got none of them either. Anyhow. They don't have a potentate. He is the only. Doesn't it say only? There are no others. He's the only one. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who only? I like that only. My, is that kind of exclusive, isn't it? That's ex, we're practicing our exclusivity here. No inclusivity here. He's a blessed and only potentate. He only hath immortality. He's free from death. We're not. Nobody we kin to is. Your little dogs want to die too. We're all going to die. No, none of us have immortality in the flesh. But by his sovereign grace, we have immortality in Christ. Eternal life. That's immortality. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto. Whom no man hath seen, nor can see. To whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> well, just as you couldn't go up on Mount Sinai, Moses did, and it took a whole lot to get him up there. And when he came down, he wasn't normal. But nobody else went up there. Now he says, charge them that are rich. That's to Timothy, pastor. 
charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Now, it's, it's difficult to see some rich people that are not high-minded. There are a few, but most of them are just as high-minded as they can be. But charge them that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Well, just how uncertain are they? Well, anybody ever heard anything about 1929 when the stock market crashed? Uh, I think David and I was talking about that Sunday. You never did see poor people jumping out a window. Because they didn't lose anything in the, in the stock market crash. They didn't lose a dime. They already knew what it was to suffer, struggle. But these high-minded rich people that have been doing, they've been partying, buddy. You look at how they were doing back in the roaring 20s. And I mean they was letting it all hang out. And in just these modern days, back in they did. And I mean they were living high, buddy. Living high. And then they woke up one morning that stock market crashed. Well, it happened not too awful long ago with that real estate deal. When, when people invested in all that real estate. Well, real estate, see, it never goes down. You never lose money on real estate. That's, I heard that all of my life. All buy property because you, you never can lose on that. You can lose on everything, folks. You can lose on anything and everything, and people now beginning to realize that. <clears throat> people bought all these properties and had all these mortgage payments and all that. Next thing you know, they couldn't make a one of them. They couldn't even get the people to repossess them. People began to eat some lead. They couldn't stand it. Now I was rich. Now I'm, now I'm broke. Well, Paul said, Timothy, you, you charge them that are rich, that they be not high-minded, nor be trusting in uncertain riches. Well, gold's up. Well, it's been up a little higher, but it's it's up. It's all eighteen hundred dollars, eighteen fifty, eighteen seventy something, eighteen hundred and seventy dollars an ounce. Now, what if you had about twenty pounds of that? Big money, isn't it? But just as quick, just as quick the bottom would drop out of it. And now all that money you had, you don't have it no more. Well, these, these big guys, they've, they've lost billions of dollars here lately. Uncertain riches. But the trust is to be in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, 
that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. <coughs> That's from the word koinonia. That's where we get the word coin from, coin, koinonia. <coughs> but it's called fellowship in Acts, but same word. That means a money meeting. That's why coins, see, koinonia. There's money involved there. So he said, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Uh, be merciful. Be liberal, not liberal doctrine. But liberality, let your liberality be seen. That you, you're kind and give and take care of people that need help. You don't hoard everything. And that's what Paul, Paul is wanting him to preach to all of these people, especially rich people. <coughs> Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation. Well, they probably already got laid up, the money laid up. But that's not the good foundation. The good foundation is a good foundation of works, godly works, against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings. Profane. Now that English word profane came from the Latin profanus. Or maybe fanus. And what that means is, literally, is outside the holy place. Before the holy place. Well... Avoid profane and vain, empty babblings. Unspiritual, that'd be profane, and ridiculous, goofy babblings. And oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Now, the word science here, and the Greek is gnosko. And it means knowledge. So what is science? In the Greek, it's knowledge. Well, what does the word science mean? It comes from the Latin, skios, and it means knowledge. Science is what you know. That's been proven by experiment and observation. That's what we know. That's what science is. It's not a method. It is a knowledge. But he said avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely named pseudoscience. Pseudo is false. 
false science, falsely called, falsely called knowledge. I hear it all the time, these debates and all this from the Creation Museum. Well, how do you know the world is, the universe is, what, 15.5 billion years old? Well, we all know that. No, you don't. You're lying through your teeth. You don't know that. You don't know any such thing. That's pseudoscience. Well, we know that whales evolved from cows. We know that we are related to bananas. We heard Bill Nye say that in his debating with Ken Ham on the ark when he went up there. Bill Nye, uh, Ken Ham said, uh, Bill, are, are, are you related to a banana? He said, and why not? Well, you look pretty mushy to me. I don't know you might be. And I know you're yellow. got that big streak down your back. I don't know. You might be. <clears throat> anyway. They're passing that stuff off as science. There's no evidence that any animal ever became a different animal. I was asking yesterday, the other day, we're not sure how, how old little pumpkin is. We were told she was a year old when we got her. We don't think she was that old. She's too wild as a pup. She's still a pup. We think she's young. We're hoping that'll settle down some. But she's a sweet little old dog. But how old is she? Anybody know of any way that you can tell for sure how old a dog is? Anybody know that? Is, it, is there any way that you can tell that? I know a horse that counts their teeth or look their teeth. I don't really think you can figure much out. Uh, well, if they have a rough time telling us how old pumpkin is, and yet they take a, a rock that looks like a shell, and they tell us exactly how old it is. It's 65, 70 million years old. They told us exactly how old it was. And yet all you can tell by that fossil is that it died. That's all you can tell. There's nothing else that you can tell from it. Anyway. Science falsely so-called don't you let any of these school teachers or anybody else tell you that evolution is science. It is not. It has nothing to do with science. It is a religion. It is a false religion. And so, opposition science falsely so-called, which some professing, have heard concerning the faith. And you know what? When evolution got, got to going, Darwin, 1863 or somewhere, sir. 
there were all kinds of preachers that eventually they began saying, well, I believe that the Bible and science can get along. We can find a place for science. Oh, I see that in Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there was a gap there. And we could sandwich all of those millions of years. It wasn't billions to start with. But we'll sandwich all those millions of years in between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Problem solved. Now science and, and the Bible go together. And then they've come up with other garbage. I'm telling you that uh, that gap theory had been taught here when I came here in November, uh, October 71. You know how I found out it had been taught here? Because about the second Sunday I preached here, I preached against that gap theory. And I said, anybody that believes that gap theory? I said, there's no gap between verse 1 and 2. The only gap's in their brain. They said, Brother Gump said, Brother, he, pre he pro taught that. I said, well, it's time somebody taught the truth because that was a lie. So, don't you think these preachers that have tried to justify evolution and millions of years with the Bible, don't you think they have erred concerning the faith? Why, well, absolutely they have. So, grace be with thee, amen. We don't really follow the that. We don't know for sure where he wrote the book of 1 Timothy. We don't really know when he wrote it. It could be from uh, 58 A.D. all the way to 65 A.D. I'm towards the latest end of it, but that's all. Nobody knows for sure. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to... Settle that. Anyway.